You're listening to The Problem with Poverty, a podcast that helps bring awareness to the causes and consequences of poverty, as well as ways that we can overcome the problems with poverty together. Our company, Community Action Partnership of North Alabama, serves 28 counties in our beautiful state. According to 2019 estimates by the U.S. Census, Alabama was the seventh poorest state with 15.5% of its residents living in poverty, as compared with a U.S. average of 11.1%. Our goal with this show is to highlight all of the opportunities that we and our partners have to help people overcome poverty as we focus on helping people changing lives. Welcome to the Problem with Poverty podcast. I'm your host, Holly Hicks. Our guest today is Alicia Higginbotham, the Human Resources Director for CAPNA for the last 14 years. Alicia holds a BS degree from the University of North Alabama. She previously worked in the for-profit sector for 20 years. She's currently a member of the local chapter of the Society of HR Management and holds her PHR credential. Thank you for joining us, Alicia. Thank you. Nice to be here. We want to talk today about the relationship between poverty and unemployment and underemployment. And we'll start with some statistics from the United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs, who has said that the full and productive employment is one of the main ways that people experiencing poverty can improve their well-being and that inflation, supply chain disruptions, the coronavirus pandemic, and other compounding social risk factors continue exacerbating both poverty and unemployment. As a director of human resources, you are directly involved with hiring and retention for a nonprofit agency that deals with poverty on a daily basis. From your perspective in relation to unemployment and underemployment, what to you is the problem with poverty? Again, thank you for having me, Holly, today. Um, While I believe poverty is often a result of a combination of circumstances, uh, one of the main reasons that triggers poverty is definitely uh, underemployment and unemployment. It's been reported that 1% increase in underemployment or unemployment can result in a half a percent uh, increase in poverty rates. So it's definitely um, making an impact Uh, It's critical that companies and communities focus on job creation and creating jobs that um, where employees and and individuals will succeed. Uh, COVID did put a damper on a lot of things with um, our community, but uh, fortunately our agency was able to continue. We had a lot of folks working remote. We had a lot of um, people doing most definitely different things. Uh, so that didn't didn't really hit us, but it did hit a lot of our uh, local industry, and and they weren't able to, um, you know, to work. So so it definitely does make an impact. Did make an impact. You mentioned the agency you work for. Our agency, Capna, was able to to keep employees employed. Yes, others were not. Why do you think we have seen? agencies, companies, for-profit, non-profit, have such a difficult time rehiring employees. There, there are a lot of openings. Rates have increased. If the unemployment affects poverty, why is there such a struggle to hire new employees? Well, for some time we found that um, the unemployment, you know, with the uh, additional funds that were provided to um, 
individuals that were un, unemployed, that kept a lot of people at home. There was no doubt, um, you know, people um, were, some of our people um, in this community were making more money to stay home than they were to actually, you know, go back to work. So I, I feel like that has been a part of it. You know, there a lot of folks were um, concerned about catching the virus and, and being exposed. So that kept a lot of people, um, I believe, from reentering the work workplace. But I, I believe they got used to it. You know, a lot of a lot of folks. But because there are jobs available in our community, there are jobs um, that you know are paying very decent wages. Um, so, so I believe that, you know, probably kept people from, from getting back, back to work. Well, let's move to CAPNA and the services for people with low incomes. CAPNA okay. is a nonprofit agency, we've already mentioned that, that provides services for people with low incomes. What kind of workforce development strategies can not only nonprofit companies, but also for-profit companies create that would address unemployment and underemployment to help secure income and empowerment for the poor, which goes back to trying to get the folks back into the, the workforce. Yeah, um, I believe there's a lot of strate- strategies that both um, for-profit and nonprofit companies can use. Um, you know, we can provide more formal training for our employees. We can provide tuition assistance uh, to be able to to obtain additional skills and um, you know training to be able to do additional um, work that possibly will um, advance the individual we can work with local high schools um, we can work with community colleges uh, with various programs to um, most definitely train and um, again, provide additional skills and abilities for these people to um, improve improve themselves, improve their skills and talents, uh, and be able to get a better job. Um, we can provide, it's something we do here, we can provide um, health and well-being training, uh, different resources and support so that our employees, um, you know, can have a better balance, work-life balance, better um, mental health, and be able to um, really and truly to to be able to better better even work when they are um, you know here. Um, back to the to the uh, training, we are uh, partnering currently with uh, Wallace State and also uh, with Athens State University on an apprenticeship program so so we're trying we've we've had trouble getting employees ourselves at times so we're trying to to provide or partner um, with various folks to um, train additional um, support and staff Uh, so we're real excited about some of those opportunities what have you seen so far at this agency that's made the biggest difference in retention and recruitment well, definitely wages uh, has made a difference, but um, the additional opportunities and support, too, I do believe, um, help us sell our um, our agency and employment here. 
um, because we do provide additional things. We provide tuition assistance. We provide um, lots of training that that will encourage employees to to better themselves. We've seen um, several several of our internal employees advance in their careers by by getting additional training by um, cross functional assignments that they've they've taken on to try to learn different um, things and better themselves as far as within jobs. Um, one employee in particular that uh, I can think of, you know, started in a an administrative type role and um, she got assistance through our programs here. But while she was working, she also went back to school. She um, has almost finished her degree, but she's in, during that time she stepped up into two other positions and um, has most definitely improved um, herself and her family's lives through through different things that she's taken advantage of here. Well, I want to ask about your Department of Children's Services, since that's the largest department at the agency, which employs early childhood education staff, more than 300 employees, if I remember that correctly. And you mentioned wages earlier, competitive wages. Wages for early childhood education staff have been historically low across the country in comparison to jobs with similar education and experience requirements like public school teachers. What effects of these persistently low wages do you see when speaking with candidates about a role in early childhood education, particularly those who have experience at lower paying positions? Because of the effects of lower wages, uh, unfortunately we found that fewer students are wanting to teach uh, or getting get into the early childhood education um, department and majors um, into that field. Um, ultimately, we're seeing, like I said, fewer candidates that are even uh, available in the workforce to, to fill job openings. Um, when speaking with candidates about a role in early childhood ed, um, I sometimes see that candidates are close to that poverty level themselves. Um, you know, they're making $10, $11 an hour, and, and so they're struggling. Um, they love what they do, but they're struggling to provide for their own families and, and still be motivating children and other families that they're, that they're serving. Um, I will say that, fortunately, several years back, our children's services leadership team and the agency supporting uh, that team most definitely decided we would have to raise wages uh, and find a way to raise wages in order to um, be competitive with the school systems and and to be able to um, recruit, you know, the top talent ourselves and not only recruit them, but to retain them. So we did that. Um, I can remember a time when our agency, um, not bad wages, but but was paying, you know, $14 plus an hour to bachelor degree um, teachers. And so now uh, our teachers that have an early childhood education um, degree are making 28 plus. So, so we've more than doubled um, their hourly rate and their hourly wage. And, and most definitely, if employees don't have to worry about paying bills, 
they tend to be more productive. You know, they're they're able to engage in their roles. They're able to, um, you know, work and do their best work when they're not having to worry about all those things. So, um, fortunately, we've we've been able to uh, do that. We still um, compete all the time with the school system uh, for top talent, but we're closer than we've ever been. Well, you mentioned there are fewer people applying for the early childhood jobs. I have two questions. One is, if it's not related to wages, what could it be related to? And with competitive wages in a nonprofit agency, how are you able to fund increases when the state doesn't provide the funds for wages? So the first one, um, unfortunately, um, you know, students are probably not being encouraged by their own teachers uh, to enter the work, enter education fields and majors. Um, Teaching is a tough you know, career path to choose. Uh, there's lots of opportunities out there. Um, you know, children, some say children are not different. I would say, um, you know, discipline, various things um, at home and at school are different than, than even when I was growing up, which was some time ago. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, we're not encouraging students probably as we should. Uh, I'm proud to say there are several local high schools that are, um, there's career academies at, at the local ones here in Decatur. Um, there's various ones in Morgan County that, that are trying to push, um, you know, that again with, with education and, and taking an education background. But um, it's a tough job. I, I think that's as much as anything. I, I have a, uh, my my daughter is has decided to to go the route of early childhood education and it surprises me how many um, local teachers will discourage her uh, and say are you sure you want to do that and i'm i'm looking at them like who's going to teach your grandchildren you know who's going to um you know work to um to help us in the future so um i think that's part of it i i also find there's lots of people in this community that um totally support her and encourage her and and often remind her of the rewards that come above the wages that come above you know the hard days and and those type things so I don't know what was your second question sorry for a nonprofit agency that doesn't get state funding like the public schools how are you able to stay competitive with wages yeah Um, that's a good question and and you know, some would say very creatively, but um, we do have to look at different line items. We we do get a budget, um, but we think that that's important enough that uh, we make it a priority. And um, you know, I'm not saying we take away from from facilities or um, instruction materials or anything like that. But um, we have had children's services um, again leadership to have to go back and and ask for additional funding. We've had to, um, unfortunately, probably um, you could see it that way, we've had to reduce classroom size at time. We've had to, um, you know, to cut back in some places that so that we could um, pay a higher wage. Yeah. Well, as we all know, the cost of living depends on what state you live in. For example, 
Alabama is one of just seven states that still taxes its shoppers at a grocery tax at the full state rate of 4%. Alabama does not have a paid family leave law, and Alabama's poverty rate is almost 15%, which is 3% larger than a national rate. The United Nations also said that the best route to socioeconomic development, poverty eradication, and personal well-being is through decent work. What investments can we make as a society to improve wages and outcomes for those workers who are underemployed and undercompensated, as many in the early childhood field are? Um, So we all need the same things. We need shelter, uh, clothing, education, um, basic essentials, and so on. So since unemployment is one of the key factors that causes people to fall into poverty, um, most definitely businesses could provide strong, you know, economic growth or communities could provide that, that strong growth um, in our economy to alleviate and contribute to alleviating poverty. Um, like I said earlier, I believe that businesses um, can most definitely work alongside of high schools, al- alongside of community colleges to um, support and invest in um, the future by, by providing learning and, and growth opportunities. Um, on-the-job training is an excellent you know, way to, to do that. Mentoring, um, all of us you know, have something to provide as far as in our roles that we currently do. Um, we work closely with Decatur Youth Services, DYS here in Decatur, and, and so our agency and many others um, in this city provide opportunities to 14 and 15-year-olds each summer where we, we bring them on site, and the, it's basically a, a summer job, but um, they get paid a stipend through DYS, through a grant-funded um, program that they that they have, but we mentor those those students. Um, you know, they don't all um, have the best work ethic. I'll just say that. But um, you know, some of them just have never been taught. So so we can definitely mentor and and help get those basic um, things that employers are looking for in them and and get them practicing those things, being to work on time. Um, you know, being respectful in the workplace and, and providing, um, you know, initiative and, and working with a little ambition um, is most definitely some of the things that we've, we've done with that group. Um, one of them uh, in particular um, we, we thought so much of, and, and she just did an excellent job as a student way above um, way beyond her years, I should say, as far as work ethic and, and all the things that you um, think about in a good employee. And, and so we hired her. We hired her. We worked um, with a local high school co-op program, and we hired her. She worked here until she, um, I'm proud to say, went to college and um, has been doing very well since. So just investing in our, in our local um, community with, with programs like that, I think, are are valuable and will definitely help. That sounds like the single one thing that any company can do is 
invest in training and education of employees to help them move from in crisis and being vulnerable to be self-sufficient. Absolutely. Well, we want to move to some top listener frequently asked questions and see what you think your answer would be. Okay. One question our listeners could have is, don't people living in poverty create their own circumstances to be unemployable? Um, no, you know, not always, I should say. Because m- many of us, and I ask this question this way, many of us who are fortunate enough to have a job look at those who aren't working and say, just get a job, they're everywhere. So what makes someone not do that from your experience? Yeah, I mean, people are not um, lazy necessarily. They're not um, just unmotivated or, um, I guess, um, not looking to not work, put it that way. But um, sometimes it's, it's basics. It's transportation. It's, um, you know, not having um, the support behind them, you know, if, if it is more so um, younger, um, you know, folks in our community. Um, not having been taught, so not having the skill set that, that is truly needed. So, um, no, I, I don't believe that that's, you know, the case. I, I think most people want to do better. They want to do right. They want to... Um, they want to work. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm not sure that I answered your question, but. Um. Well, it, it leads to the, to the next one. Okay. This is a question we ask every guest. What does someone living in poverty have to do with me, and why should I care? As an employee of Community Action Partnership, um, you know, obviously that's our, our primary role is to reduce, eliminate causes and consequences of poverty. So, so I should care as, a, as an employer uh, and most definitely as a director of human resources, I should care to get the best people um, that we can have for our programs, to hire those, to not only to recruit, but to retain um, the best people that we can have for those programs, whether it be the best teachers, um, the best admin, the best custodians, the best um, any position that we have. You know, I, I should most definitely want to work every day to do that, um, to, to help reduce poverty for sure. Um, I'm also a person of faith, and, and so I believe um, that we're taught to do that. So from a personal standpoint, um, I get to live out that in this um, type agency with with nonprofit working to help other individuals. So um, I believe you should do it for that reason too, and that's that's probably more so the reason why I care um, to do it and to make sure that I support this agency in doing that. So who is ultimately responsible to help people overcome poverty? Is it the individual? Is it the community? Is it the government? Good question. Um, and, and so is there an all of the above? Um, most definitely it's all of us. Uh, it's my responsibility. It's individual responsibility. Um, but it's working 
you know, our communities have most definitely um, a responsibility in um, working together, um, you know, different agencies, different um, um, government agencies as well, working together with business and uh, individuals to to better better the world, basically. So, yeah, it's all of the above. Excellent. Alicia Higginbotham, Human Resource Director for Community Action Partnership of North Alabama, thank you for joining us today. All right. Thank you, Holly.